You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Welcome to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Angelica, and joining me as always is my co-host Ryan. Say hey Ryan. Hello, everybody. Hi, guys. This week, we are covering Lovecraft Country, Episode 2, Whitey's on the Moon. Um, And yeah, guys, we're going to actually bring you an episode at least once a month um, until we get through this. I'm kind of sad that this season is over. Hopefully, we have a season two, but it's going to be fun to just kind of like go back, rewatch, reminisce. That's what we're here for. Um, Ryan, what were your first thoughts on this episode? Um, well, you know, overall, I'm still loving it. Definitely um, loving the season. Uh, can't wait till we get to talk about how it turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for this episode, um, I uh, like I said, I, I there were some moments for me that were just like for me when it gets like really emotional, some of those like really on your heart. Sink, I don't like being on the edge of my seat as much as I was on this episode. Mm-hmm. So to me, there was those moments where I was like, oh, let's get to episode three because <laughs> it was like some heavy moments. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, still, I'm still loving like, you know, all the actresses and everything that's going on. And, um, they had a lot of cool points, especially for what we're dealing with in this time period that they touched on. So yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm still, I'm still a Lovecraft fan still on the journey. How about you? I'm definitely sold on it. Um, I was, you know, like I said, we already ended the season. So I've been really heavy into Facebook groups, you know, Lovecraft Facebook groups. I've been on Twitter and the conversation is largely positive. Um, This Mm. is a show that black people needed, uh, especially during this time. It kind (laughs) of, like I said, it goes back to the whole, the scariest thing on this show aren't the monsters. It's the white people. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they make that pretty clear. They're making that clear, right? And, you know, f- for the, f- I feel like a lot of white people are actually becoming more aware and watching this show. Like, is this how black people perceive us? Is this what we mm-hmm. really look like? And it's like, yeah. no, some of this stuff like really happened to us that was perpetrated by your great grandfather, your grandfather. So, mm-hmm. um, it's it's nice to see an unflinching look at it. And much like Watchmen last year, I feel like Lovecraft is doing the same this year. So hopefully Emmys are on the way, just like we predicted for Watchmen. Hopefully that's the same for Lovecraft Country. Um, yeah, we're going to put that out there. We're going to put that out there. Shout out to Yaya. Shout out to Yaya on his Emmy. <laughs> yep, Yaya. <laughs> we love you. Um, so yeah, so this episode is titled Whitey on the Moon, which is a nod to the 1970s spoken word poem, um, which was written and recited by Gil Scott Heron. And basically it tells, um, of the medical debt and poverty experienced, uh, during the Apollo moon landings. Um, the poem basically critiques the resources spent on the space program while black Americans were basically suffering and marginalized. Um, 
So in many ways, uh, what we see going on in this episode, uh, as far as uh, the Braithwaite's pursuit of immortality and Eden and all power is at the expense of a black body who's tick. Um, and we'll get into that later on in the recap series, but the, the title is very fitting, basically. Um, yep. Very fitting. On the move. Very fitting. So we open up with a very familiar song, Moving On Up which is the themes onto the television series, The Jeffersons by um, Janae Dubois or Dubois. I, I can never say French names. Apologies in advance. Uh, but we all know it. Moving on up to the <laughs> Yeah, I like that. I really did like that opening, except for the fact that Tick was just not feeling it at all. Like he knew something was going down. But yeah, I, I did like, it was very fun. It was like a very fun opening to not, like not what you were expecting at all, as this show is like in a nutshell, just not expecting it every time. Right, exactly. Um, it's, it's completely black and white from, yeah, or completely yeah. different than the the last scene that we saw from episode one, where they're like covered in blood and shell yeah, shock. Like, they're going into these white people's houses where they happen, and then they're yeah. like, oh, we're moving on up. Okay. We're moving on up. They're happy. You know, Letty has all these beautiful clothes that fit her perfectly. Um, Uncle George has this library with every single book that he'd ever want to read. You know, the song's playing, Letty's dancing. You know, we got Journey. Oh, you know? and I do have a note about uh, Letty's oh, sure. uh, clothes when you get to it. Oh, sure, sure. Well, I do. I, I thought in um, costume designer um, Dana Pink said it was about she want, they wanted to make her look like a dreamer in this because I really like this outfit on her. There was like a couple of other episodes where I really liked her outfit too, mm-hmm. but like you know where it gives you that um, that oh, so it's like that equestrian outfit, the silhouette mm-hmm. fit. So you know you have that fabric for that period, but then you put like a little modern patterns on it. So basically, we know going throughout, Letty is always that person that's like she wants to have that like fabulous armor, so to speak. But, you know, mm-hmm. on the inside, a whole bunch of stuff was going on with Letty. So I thought that was kind of cool to find that out. And then, like, to kind of – and now that had me, like, dissecting every, clo- every like, outfit she has throughout the season. Because I'm always thinking, like, Letty has that little hidden secret that she doesn't want people to know. Right. Letty, Letty is that girl who, like, you're walking down the street. You see her, like, she looks fabulous. And, like, so where'd you get that from? And she might not tell you. Like, oh, yeah, right. You right. It in the closet. You're like, bitch, uh-huh. you tell me where you got that from. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep. That is her thing. Like the way she strolled out, they like, uh, what? What are you doing right now? Ma'am. So yeah, so they're all well, Letty and George are making themselves real comfortable up in these white people's house. Um, <laughs> just very comfortable, very happy, you know, and apparently it's for a reason, but we'll get to that later. Um, so they all come out the rooms and Tick is just suspicious. Like he don't trust it. How is it that Letty's clothes fit her perfectly like a glove? How is it that all of Uncle George's books are his favorite? Like there's there has to be a reason for this. You don't just let people up in your home. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then I think they actually got, um, they got pulled out of the rooms because of an alarm was going off. So they're like, "What the hell? What is going on?" And the parents, <laughs> like, ding, 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 ding. It's apparently it's the lunch bell, and in comes William, just swaggerific, just walking in with all mm-hmm. this swab, just looking good. Um. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells him like oh no big deal it's just the lunch bell you know i'm here to make sure that your stay is wonderful i'm i was told to treat you like family and they're like well where is everybody it's like oh you know the the owner of this house uh samuel braceworth is away on business with christina and then Chuck's like well where's my father at he's like ah, i can't I, I don't know it's really not my place you know so he gives him the crib store they start walking around and they happen upon uh, this big giant portrait 
um, of this white guy in this hooded cloak. So Uncle George assumes that's Samuel. And they're like, he's and William's like, no, 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 no. That is his distant cousin who was the owner of the home. And his name was Titus Braithwife. Um, he was the founder of Artem as well. And so, like, they're in this grandiose, wonderful, just, like, everyone's dream home. And they're wondering where this man got his fortune from. So, William's, like, shipping. And Letty's, like, a.k.a. slavery. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so, yeah. So, they're, like, and apparently he was very kind to his slaves. So, that's something we should take away. I always hate that description. Like, whenever we're talking about. Yeah, I was about, about to say, yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, we're always talking about slave owners. Like, there's like apparently a distinction between the ones that were harsh and terrible to their slaves, mm-hmm. and there's like, oh, but my master yeah. was, a, was a kind man. He was a benevolent master. No, bump that. They're still slave owners. They still right. own people. Like, anyways. Yeah. yeah, they weren't trying to let you go until your work. I'm just saying, they still weren't trying to let you go, even though they were nice and kind. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. From seaweed tempura to white chocolate infused strawberries, that is just a sample of some of the yummy, savory, and sweet treats that come from Boxu. It's a monthly, authentic Japanese snack box that is delivered straight to your door. They partner with 100 year old family snack makers to deliver fresh Japan exclusive snacks. And every box you purchase supports these small family-run businesses and keeps their traditions alive. Each month, you get 20 to 25 premium sweet treats and teas curated around a fun cultural theme each month. Diving into those box treats, it felt like a box of chocolates. I really didn't know what I was getting into. But with the help of the 16-page Culture Guide magazine, it details each product's origin, the flavors, and even the common allergens for all of you out there that are sensitive to certain ingredients. So not only are you experiencing the taste of Japan, but you're learning about the origins of Japan. Your box ships out directly from Japan. And it includes member-only offers that range from discounts on Boxu's online marketplace to access a Japanese language learning app. Boxu is a real community. Get your authentic Japanese snacks today by going to boxu.com. That's B-O-K-K-S-U dot com to experience the tastes of Japan. If you sign up to their mailing list, you'll get $5 off too. That's boxu.com. B-O-K-K-S-U dot com. Changing my cat's litter is so easy and not messy and I don't mind it at all. Said nobody ever. (laughs) It's time to say goodbye to the litter box as you know it and hello to the kitty poo club. I've had the chance to try this product, courtesy of the folks over at Kitty Poo Club, and I gotta say, I am enjoying this product. My cat in particular, Carmelita, she has a tendency to cry when her litter box is not up to par, and the crying has ceased. Kitty Poo Club is an all-in-one litter box solution designed to be convenient just for you. Every month, Kitty Poo Club delivers an affordable, high-quality, recyclable litter box that's pre-filled with the litter of your choice. 
When the month is up, just recycle the box and the Kitty Poo Club will automatically deliver a new one to you. No changing used litter and no more cleaning the box. And the Kitty Poo Club has a no risk guarantee that you can easily customize or cancel at any time. And right now, Kitty Poo Club is offering you 20% off of your first order when you set up auto ship by going to kittypooclub.com and entering the promo code NERDS. Just go to kittypooclub.com, enter the promo code NERDS to get 20% off when you set up auto ship. That's kittypooclub.com. And don't forget to enter the promo code NERDS at the checkout. Right. You were still owned by them. So um, apparently Titus met his end in a pretty uh, horrible way. He His house was burned up. Him and the rest of the, the lodge oh. members um, of this. Apparently he built this home as a retreat for him and his lodge members. They're part of some mysterious order. And the house that everyone currently is in is a replica of the house um so and apparently everyone died there except for one person but we don't know who that is just yet there's always like hints and 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 foreshadowing on the show so you really have to pay attention this is not a show where you can like be on your phone um because everything is written into the show everything they say is important nothing is just throwaway so that first I guess Lovecraft Bite was moving on up. (laughs) The next one we're going to get into is the town. So Lodge members are actually expected to arrive that evening for a celebratory dinner. Um, And so in the meantime, Letty, Uncle George, and Tick are treated to this lavish meal on the veranda. Um, William's like, hey, you know, eat, settle down. You know, if you need anything, call the butler. And then there's this really funny scene where Letty's just like, ring, ring, ring. And Tech's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm calling the butler to give us salt. Like, you know why people don't season their food? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Very true. I mean, the, like, I'm currently, I use HelloFresh, like, not to go on a tangent, but I use HelloFresh now to cook my meals. It's just really easy. Ah, okay. And the recipes always be, like, seasoned with salt and pepper. And don't tell you this, they don't tell you seasoned with nothing else. And I'm like, I can tell these chefs are white folks because I use everything up in my spice cabinet <laughs> to season my meat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just not going to be like, salt and yeah. pepper. I was like, you might need a little bit of, like, you know, salt and pepper. You know, like a little bit, little bit more. Some adobo, you know what I'm saying? Some garlic. Some, 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 I do have kosher salt, you know what I'm saying? Some lemon peppers, some parsley. Some people like to use celery salt, you know what I'm saying? You just can't use salt and pepper. I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. Like, yeah, y'all, y'all, I mean, sometimes you got to step away from that salt and pepper. I'm just saying, like, put that just, on there and then put something else. Yeah. Cause salt is not even really a spice, but anyways, I digress. So look at, look at uh, <laughs> Chef Angelica on here. <laughs> chef chef angelica chef Ange. um so tick, <laughs> tick does not understand why she's eating after all that's happened he, and letty's like what are you talking about he's like you don't remember the monsters with eyes that could eat you like attacking us the other night and they're like no i remember waking up in the lodge and that's about it so tick starts to go off and clearly tick has a little bit of an anger problem he's like Y'all don't understand. People just don't invite people up in their homes and take care of them like this. Something is going on. So Uncle George is like, calm down. We're being watched. Sit down. Eat your food. We'll figure this out together. We'll go into the town. 
And here's a little um, tidbit from the show. So if you look at the dinner or the lunch table, there's an octopus there. The octopus is one of Lovecraft's monsters. Um, So that was like a nod back to Lovecraft and his world. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Don't know if you picked that up. And octopus actually is very tasty. Don't sleep on it. Um, That is something I will eat. Mm. I might I might sleep on it for a little bit longer. <laughs> so yeah, so they go to the garage after lunch and they find Woody. Now, last we saw Woody, the car, it had crashed into the cabin. It was completely like done for, totaled. And here it is, basically brand new. The only thing that's different is the fact that the windows were bust out in the back, which is what happened when they got shot at by the sheriff. So they're like, it's almost like it like like it was like time went back. And something's not right. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. William just like waltzes up on them, tells him he found the car on the other side of the bridge and he drove it in and Tick's like, that's not right. That makes no sense. This car was destroyed. And he's like, no, there was like blood in the front, but the butler took care of it. But other than that, no, the car is fine. Um, so just something's not right. Tick is not with it. He it's just not right. He he's he's like something's up. I need to get up out of here. I need to find my dad so we can go. I don't trust these people. So they end up walking into the town. Letty's actually talking to Uncle George. She thinks there's something wrong with Tick. Like you know, he did go to war. Possibly you know he has like PTSD. And Tick's like, I'm not crazy. Something is going on. We got to figure this out. And by the way, the village is super creepy. Like, is it me? Yeah. Or is that <laughs> yeah. And I was about to say, I think they were playing like Bad Moon Rising, which made it even creepier as they were like walking through. I was like, oh, I thought somebody was going to get shot. Or like, it was like super creepy. I was like, what is happening right now? Yeah, it was very like Wicker Man. Like there was actually a Wicker Man and the kids were like yeah. dancing around Like it. it was crazy. And like, and I felt bad. See, and like you were saying about Tick too, he's one of those people that just cannot keep his like cool to blend in. And right. I feel like this time period is very much about, I mean, you know, not as far as like you do have, you know, making a stand, making a statement, but just like blending in a little bit. Like, I just feel like he's very loose with, like you said, the anger management and just like letting it go. And you like, Oh my God, tick, just calm down. Cause you like, somebody's going to try to snatch him up or something. Like it just never feels good when he's like in that moment, not paying right. attention, just walking around. I was like, Oh my God, something bad is going to happen. Yeah. And they're like the only black people in this town. Like they need to kind of lay right. He's just like running and storming through. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, tick, calm down. Um, and yeah, and also just back to those kids with the wicker, they were singing like Ring Around the Rosie and Ashes, Ashes. And I will, and this reminds me of my daughter. My daughter, when she was little, she first, uh-huh. like, the first nursery rhyme she learned, learned was Ring Around the Rosie, but she never sang the whole thing. She would just go, Ashes, Ashes. And just imagine like a little, you know, 18 month old walking around mm. going, Ashes. My dad was like, that is so creepy. Make her stop. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> She was trying to, so you saying at a young age she was auditioning for Lovecraft? Basically, yeah. She was like, "Ashes, they all fall down." And you know that's that that song is about the bubonic plague and and dying. So yeah, wonderful. yeah, yeah. So wonderful. yeah, you know, you know the little things they try to see. You know, it's always something when they try to sneak into like kids' nursery rhymes or like kids' stories, and you just like, yeah. but why though? But it's like, yeah, when you find it, you like that's why you just need to sometimes be ignorant to some of these like kids because it just make you feel so bad. You like, but why? Why would you do that though? Like, why would you slip it in? 
Well, you know what? We could should probably do a podcast episode dedicated to the original fairy tales because they are all horse yes, stories. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's so many horse stories. I was like, I, I, I legit, like, not to go to like a whole little side thing on this, but I legit, when I found some of the stuff, I was like, why couldn't they have kept that to themselves? Like, I really would have been fine just blissfully going through. Mm. Like, I'm just that type of person. I would have just been fine because I'm like, I don't know why you had to ruin this for me right now. Well, I'm going to ruin it for you because there was a stage in my life where I was obsessed with gruesome fairy tales because yeah. all the fairy tales we hear now are sanitized. So, um, well, yeah, 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 yeah. So Disney kind of cleaned it up real nice for us. But if we were to break down these fairy, you know what? We're going to do that. We're going to do an episode on fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's going to be um, <laughs> We'll do that later. Y'all just going to hear that a lot as it goes on for the episode. Absolutely. So yeah, so they're they're in this creepy wicker man type town. Um, and you know, Tick is kind of going off and then he hears this whistle. And the whistle he hears sounds like a like I you would hear in movies the dog whistle, um, yeah. which was used last episode to call off the Shogoths, which were the, the, the vampire like monsters with multiple eyes that, that attacked them. Um, so they end up running into this woman called Dell, who is played by Jamie Newman, and she is actually the groundskeeper who is uh very racist and very rude. Uh, yeah, yeah. To say the least, yeah. She to say the least. Ooh. Right. And George actually mistakes her for the sheriff, um, because she came out of a stone building and he kind of knows, like, hey, this, are you the sheriff? And she's like, Well, why do you think that? He's like, Well, because that's the only stone building that I've seen in this entire town. And she's like, oh, no, we uh, keep the meat in there because, you know, creatures like to to eat it. So we keep it safe here. They're like creatures. And she's like, you know, yeah, black bears. You know, there's always issues with the blacks. They're smart, but not too smart. But they are bees, too. You know, are, they're clever enough to, like, find mischief. And they're always sticking their noses where they don't belong. Um, Clearly, she's not talking about black bears. Uh, <laughs> she's talking right. about black like, people. So we don't, we're not going. So you thought we're not going to figure out what you're talking about? Okay. Okay, just rude. Um, and she tells him like, you know what? I think it's time for you guys to head back on home. To, you know, before before dinner begins. You know, the sun is setting. So they kind of take heed to her words because you know this is this ain't their town. They're not from around these parts. Um, so they make their way back and Uncle George is like, you know, the the base of that tower, the foundation is stone. That tells me that it has a basement, like a dungeon. That's where Montrose is, which is Tick's father. So they're already making a plan. So they're walking through the woods and it's starting to get dark. Um, George gets this memory of of something that Dora, who is Tick's mother, what she told him about um her ancestors her people and Tick's like what she told you about her people I don't know nothing about them my dad doesn't so there's obviously something going on between George Montrose and Dora at least in the past like she revealed secrets to him that nobody else knows um and he remembers that she descended from a slave named Hannah who escaped the, the her master's home and it turns out that was Titus and, you know, they kept mentioning how kind he was to his slaves. Well, turns out Hannah was pregnant. So this birthright that Montrose wrote to Tick about, this is actually about his lineage. There's something in his blood. He is a descendant of Titus. So it gets crazier. So they're discussing all this. Um, they're walking through the woods. 
and the Shogoths just pop up out of nowhere. Yeah, you think, things, boy, the way they like buried through the ground. Woo. Yeah, that thing was it was kind of scary. So they pop up. You're like, oh my gosh, like they they can't catch a break. And in comes in Christina on her white horse. The white savior shows up with her little whistle. <laughs> And um, it's actually funny. Um, I listened to HBO's podcast um, on the show, their official podcast. And <laughs> one of the hosts had mentioned that she was like, is that Shadow Facts? And for those of you guys that don't know, Shadow Facts um, is a noble horse, like the, the king of horses in Lord of the Rings. And he is um, used by Gandalf the White. That, like, that's that's the horse he rides. So... <laughs> And we're, our, we're talking about wizards here. So, you know, here comes Christina riding in on her white horse to save the day. And Del pops up to her, with her dogs. And she's like, all right, uh, Del, take them back to the house. Make sure they stay in their rooms. So um, at this point, we kind of don't know what's up with Christina. Is she good? Is she bad? There's just something not quite right about her. Like, I don't know if I should trust right, her. Yeah. But she does like she is clutch, you know what I'm saying? She does come through. So yeah. mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that one. So yeah, that was that Lovecraft bite was a town. So now our next Lovecraft bite is plans and dreams. So Tix goes to see Samuel Braithwaite, who is played by Tony Goldwyn. Um, a lot of people know oh, him. Oh man, a scandal guy. <laughs> From Scandal, I know him <laughs> as the voice of Tarzan. Hey, shout out to Disney. Um, and he was, <laughs> I just, that's where I know. He even looks like Tarzan. Um, and um, he also was like the bad guy in Ghost. He was like Sam's best friend. Oh, and he plays Sam. He was Sam's best friend, the one that betrayed him. And he died at the end. Yeah, that guy. So anyways. <laughs> I don't know. The whole time all I can see were fits. I couldn't get the scandal out of my head. But yeah, I do. I do know where. I, yeah, I do know the other roles as well. But yeah, I couldn't. I just couldn't get that out of my head. I tried so hard. I was like, why can't I just. I need to be in the Samuel mode right now. But I just couldn't get out of my head. I mean, I watched like like one whole episode of Scandal. I couldn't get into it. So he's not that. <laughs> he's not that yeah, ingrained. If you watch more than one whole episode of Scandal, like if you finish Scandal, you understand what I'm talking about. Like all I can see is like all my gladiators out there that watch Scandal. All you will see is fits. <laughs> Like that's all I can see in my head. I kept trying to like picture. I kept trying to pull myself out, but I was like, "Oh mm-hmm. my god!" Well, he's blonde in this, and he's racist, and he's very cold. <laughs> well, you know so. that 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 facts because you know there were some things in scandal, but you know, you know, but yeah, no, yeah, saying, those, I mean, those facts will pull you away from that he's fit. So yeah, there you go. That's how you okay, pull yourself okay. back. I mean. Family. Yeah, 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 I mean, there's no Olivia Pope here, guys, but I, I, I get it. I get it. He's kind of. I mean, we could use an connected. I think. <laughs> well, in this one, he's Samuel Braithwaite, the head of the Sons of Adam, a racist, classy KKK. <laughs> the way yeah, I, I mean, yeah, uh, you can say, yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, that's what it was. Not like they invite you to dinner with your fancy suits on and everything. Yeah, exactly. So we see him. He's in like this lab on a table, getting this huge chunk of his body taken out of him. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Okay. Yeah, I was just looking at this thing. Like, that's one of those things where I was like trying to look away, but I was still like, what? It's just no, one of like one of the many scenes of Lovecraft that you just you know, like try to look away, but you can't. Yeah, just white people, white peopling. Um, <laughs> and so. <laughs> 
you could tell it's like for some type of like ceremony some type of weird shit i don't know it it is what it is yeah so so as um so tip kind of walks in on this and christina's looks bored sitting back there like drinking and taking notes and um yeah and just like in true white guy fashion after he gets sewed up and he notices tick he's like you know what what I see here, you know, what's my favorite thing in this room? That painting right there, Genesis two nineteen. And I'm like, why is it that every time a black person walks into a room with an evil white guy, he, he always wants to talk about art? Like, why is yeah. that? <laughs> yes, it's always the go-to. So, I mean, w- the 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 painting is basically the scene of Genesis where Adam is naming every creepy crawly creature. Um, Samuel basically calls it Nirvana, where at a point in time, everything had its place, everything was in order. And he kind of like asks Tick and Christina, he quizzes them and they get the answer right. And they're like, yeah, it's about order. And he's like, no, it's about creation. It's about naming something. Um, So Tick is like, well, what are you, God in this whole scenario? He's like, no, I am Adam. You're just like, okay and then christina's like yeah and then eve ruined it so yeah and if we're thinking about this this whole this whole order is the patriarchy it's nothing but men in power and here we have this capable smart beautiful woman christina who will never be a part of it she's always going to be on the periphery because she is a woman because she is of eve and you know eve's greatest sin apparently was searching for knowledge so christina is dangerous to these men she's not allowed there so i think that's why in many ways i really like christina as a character i still don't know if i can trust her but she's intriguing to me um not sure how you feel about that yeah she's one of those people that has yeah i kind of yeah i see the similar thing about her but yeah she's definitely one of those characters that um just has this cool power about her but she doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily in my opinion she doesn't necessarily always use it the way she should in the way right. she could really do some good with it um but yeah she is pretty cool like and you know and i always love that i guess if you want to call her that um but i always love the the female villains like when they can give an interesting mm-hmm. twist on that like it doesn't always have to be about oh the, you know the men especially like if it's a white guy like the same old same old like him trying to come over and change because he thinks he knows what's best for the future so it's kind of right. cool to get that like female vibe and mix it up a little bit yeah definitely and um you know she's not and she in in many ways to me represents white feminine white femininity or white feminism um so she's challenging the patriarchy she's not really buying this whole everything needs its order you know men at the top right right women and apparently in this world then black people don't need for that um then the animals she's not really buying it um she's in many ways uh a, a little bit more towards the left she's not as much of a bigot i don't i don't think i don't really think i don't think christina's racist i don't see her as racist i i think she's absolutely a purveyor of white privilege but i just don't see her necessarily as a racist and you can see you know she tries to like level with tick and she's like hey you like you need to make some friends out here um because not every white person is out to get you which it's kind of funny when you watch the series at the end, but in this <laughs> moment, yeah, I don't know. Some, at some point, 
Right, isn't it? Some, but some, at some moments to me, though, she was kind of seen like that person. Like, you know, when people kind of always say, like, oh, I don't see racism, and I see da-da-da-da-da. I don't see color. To me, she had, right. To me, she had some moments where, I, I guess, like you said, maybe you wouldn't necessarily call it racist, but you kind of want to be like, come on, Christina, come on down. Like, you saw the way that was going to play out, or I know you understand what they're talking about. You know, well, to I me, think- she had some of those moments. Yeah, I think Christina understands. I think she does understand. She sees it. She doesn't agree with it. By the end of the day, Christina is about self. So, you know, like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely feel for about y'all, her. Yeah. But I'm about me. So I'm yeah, interested. She's definitely about her grind. Yeah. Right. So I'm interested to see what is Christina's role in this series. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, Samuel's trying to achieve Nirvana. He's trying to open up this doorway into Eden. Um, which essentially will give him immortality. That's what he's vying for. But apparently Christina brought Tick to him. Uh, it's, it's Titus, or not Titus. Samuel says it like, a, my daughter apparently thinks you can help me. So what is Christina's motivation in bringing Tick into the fold um, when she's not, he's, she's not a benefactor or a recipient of of the sons? She's a woman. So what is her motivations? And obviously we're going to, peel apart the layers there with that but just something to think about in the back of your head is christina good is christina bad who is christina you know really looking out for so i'll just leave it at that but anywho's so they have the, the you know she has her heart to heart with tick and she tells them like you can trust me i want to be your friend and he's like eh, i don't know about all that because you put a spell on my friends you know on my family they don't remember everything that happened and he mentions, like, you know, <laughs> you guys are basically the KKK. You know, the KKK don't call themselves wizards for no reason. And Christina was like, um, excuse you. My father and his associates would never associate with the Ku Klux Klan, okay? They're too poor. <laughs> and I was like, see, white privilege. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, all right. All right. I mean, I mean... Shout out to her for calling the clan poor. Y'all are poor. Uh, moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she told y'all. Um, so they they come to an understanding. He's like, if you want to be my friend, prove it. So she actually lifts the spell. And she tells them the spell wasn't meant specifically for them. The spell is for anyone that sees the Shogoths, which are basically their guard dogs. But for whatever reason, it doesn't work on Tick. And it could be because of his blood. Um, but So she lifts a spell. And then we hear Letty and George screaming. So clearly they remembered what happened. And actually, if we go back earlier to the woods, they immediately forgot what happened to them after they saw the creatures. So clearly that is a spell that was put in place. Yeah, there was some weird mind trips in this episode. Many. Speaking of mind trips. Um, <laughs> they all kind of have their own experiences. Uh-huh. Um, so Letty tries to escape the room because apparently there's magic that's holding him in these rooms. Tick can't get out, but somehow he finds his way into Letty's room. She's trying to get out and he calms her down. He tells her like, Hey, we're trapped here. We're going to get through this. And she tells him like about her childhood, about the fact that her mother was constantly leaving her coming back with strange men. She always felt very alone. Um, and she used to pray hoping for her mother to come back. And she's looking at a, a painting of Adam and Eve and the serpent, um, while she's telling these this to Tick. And he tells her, like, hey, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. And they kiss passionately. And you're just like, oh, this is cute. And he vows to never leave her. And at 
we kind of pan to Tick in his room. So I'm like, what is going on here? How is Tick making out with Letty, but also in his room? And later on in the episode, he like unzips his pants and a serpent comes out. Like I was like, oh, I was not. All right, this scene ended. I was trying to see something else, but okay, I'll take it. Uh, so, <laughs> so Tick is also having his own, looks like a hallucination. Um, he was actually talking to Uncle George through the bookshelf in Morse code. And we see Uncle George write out wizards. But before he can say anything else, this woman attacks him. Turns out it's the Korean woman that we saw in the first episode that was playing Deja of Mars. Um, and she's like, basically fights him to the death. Her name is Gia. And he's like, Gia, I don't want to hurt you. And he's like, they're like throwing knives at each other, punching each other out, slamming each other against walls. I was like, okay, okay, Jamie, get it. And so like... (laughs) Yeah, that was a pretty. I will say that was a pretty cool fight. I mean, you kind of get you kind of get uh, pulled out a little bit because of like the craziness that is that scene. Because you're like, what is happening? Yeah, but it is, it is really it is really cool fight scene. Yeah, it was a really cool fight scene. Um, she p- clearly knows how to fight. Um, he's militarily she he's been trained in the military, so eventually he gets the best of her and chokes her to death. Um, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um. And then Uncle George has a much more pleasant experience. He gets to dance with Dora, um, who is Tick's mother, and she's played by Erica Tazel. And they speak about dreams and their time in Tulsa, their childhood there. So just to back it up a little bit, this is a second series that mentions Tulsa on HBO that is about Black people. Um, you know, the, 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 the Black Wall Street massacre so apparently montrose george and dora grew up in tulsa and seems like they must have escaped what happened there so anyways but it's but i like it's cool that you brought up that point too because Mm -hmm. you know both of these series i think um you know about the the recent uh grave they just found of a lot of the um Mm -hmm. the uh tulsa massacre victims i think it's very interesting that all of this these shows are kind of pulling that up you know, not like it should have been done years earlier, but right. it's it's very like interesting to see that kind of stuff come up in the news now because these shows, you know, of course, um, uh, Watchmen, you know, getting their Emmy nominations and all that kind of stuff brings it to the light. But it's just interesting how events turn. It's like, oh, well, now we're going to go look and see what happened. Yeah. And it's just, you know, just to point out that this was a booming city um with black professionals with their Mm -hmm. own law offices doctors offices theaters banks it was a growing community in tulsa very successful very prominent and all because you know supposedly a a young black man offended a white woman or -hmm. offended some white folks it all went to hell um and i also heard about the fact that central park was also similar in the fact that it was a city or a town with a black population um they had their own and i don't know if it was as violent as a as a tulsa massacre but they were moved on mm-hmm. out and central park was built over top of their homes so uh wow yeah it's, it's it's gonna be like it's i think this like that's why i think it's really cool us covering this and like i said um what Watchmen did like the more this comes out it's gonna be very interesting to see what else they continue to dig up you know again which doesn't help like you know those families like wondering about their ancestors for generations and years like nobody paying attention yeah. um but it is very interesting to see like the conversation is getting ready to come out 
you know, the conversation is, 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 is finally being discussed that we were successful. We, we were, we were people, we had wealth, we had power and it was taken away from us. And people wonder, uh, you know, why black people struggle. And it's like, every time we get our own white folks come and take it away. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's a running theme of the show. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, Dora and George are dancing and it, it just threw me off a little bit because I'm like, you would think he would be having a dream of his wife, not of his his brother's dead wife, but okay. And <laughs> and then you know, I think the um what was that the the end by Earl Grant was playing? It was like very they they were trying to take you out of the romance scene. Like at first mm-hmm. you like oh this cute, but they were like as it went on, they just kept trying to find every little moment to pull you out. Like where you were like, yeah, we need to not be watching this because something bad's about to happen. Right. And they speak on the reality of magic. Nodora tells him he can now fly with his children. You're like, mm-hmm, children? Mm-hmm. I yeah, thought he only had yeah. one kid. He only had Diana. Who, what is he talking about? Yeah, or what like you said, hints, they be dropping. Hints. Um, so George kisses her and tells her, you know, this isn't real. And actually, I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm going to back up a little bit to when Christina was talking to Tick. And mm-hmm. he asked her about William, her boyfriend. And she says... You know, yeah, that's my my friend, and he's a boy sometimes. So just, I'm gonna just leave it at that. Leave that mm-hmm. that tidbit there for those who haven't or aren't caught up just yet. Just everything means something on this show. So, anyways, the the situation between Dora and George, George is starting to realize this is not real. I need to back away from this, and it turns out all of this was magic and it was for the entertainment of the Dagon Lodge guests. They're trying to get into their heads. Hate it this moment. Hate it. I was like, because I already feel like, yeah, I already feel like sometimes black people are seen like, you know, it's like that exhibit feel. Like it's something to be just like looked at and like, oh well, how do you do that? Like, you know, like you're just not human or it's not normal what you're doing. So yeah, Yeah, it's just I hated that moment. I was like, yeah, let's move past this. We are entertainment, huh? So uh they all are released from their rooms. They are clearly shell-shocked george is like we gotta get it together tick is like so what you dream about what did you see he's like don't worry about that doesn't matter and i'm like oh he out here being slick um and and tick is triggered by this experience um because he's a war vet so he's just like i did some things i wasn't supposed to do and and george is like calm down you were a good boy you did what you had to do you know, like they're trying to get into our heads. Let's let's get it together. So, and then he tells uh, he tells Letty like Letty, you got this, cause Letitia fucking Lewis don't get scared about nothing. And I was like, put that on a t shirt, please. Yes, they they need to have that. That should be like, is there like a love? Is there like a HBO like store? So that should definitely be like a Lovecraft country thing or something like that. Cause she uses that like at perfect moments throughout this whole series. I think I'm gonna get it. T- I'm sure there's a T-shirt out there that says Letitia fucking Lewis. It has to be like if it's not, y'all are sleeping on that money because they she she wears this that uh phrase out. It need to be on a T-shirt. Exactly, and people going be like, "Who's Letitia?" I'm like, "Don't worry about it. You ain't for meeting if you don't yep. know who Letitia Lewis is." Right, um, right. Like if you know, you know. You know, you know. So yeah. So George tells them, you know, have no fear. I I found something that might just help. So earlier in the episode, George tried to recall what was happening, you know, before he regained his memory. And he happens upon this book called The House on the Borderland on the bookshelf. And just, I just want to talk about this book real quick because it's kind of interesting. So it was a 1908 novel written by William Hope Hodson. 
And it is a hallucinatory account of a reclusive store, a uh, reclusive stay at a remote house. And his, his experience of his, ooh, I cannot get these words out, his experiences of supernatural creatures and otherworldly dimensions. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, if that ain't Lovecraft Country in a nutshell, yeah, I don't know yeah, what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, the book is called. There, I'm, I'm looking to it. So the book is called The House on Borderland. So that book, for whatever reason, opens up the bookshelf into the secret library and he just so conveniently comes upon this book called the order of the ancient dawn like i don't know about you but that just seemed like placed perfectly yeah yeah they they came to all this information very quickly i was like okay something's not right it's, I'm like, was it William? Was it Christina? Like, who conveniently put that book about their whole order in the room where they knew for a fact Uncle George would find it? I'm, I'm just saying. So they entered the dinner, black tie only. So you know, and men only. Uh, Letty is not allowed in there. Neither is Christina. Um, William's there, and he assures them that even though they are not wanted there, they belong there. So like, chin up. Um, Samuel enters the room, all these white guys and, and, you know, their suit and ties, their bow ties are sitting, you know, at various tables. He walks in and he was like, yes, much like Adam that gave his rib to Eve. So do I give of my body to you. And they present the dinner place. And I guess I was like, they tripping. I was like, "Mm -mm, no, they is not getting ready to do this. Yeah, I was like, okay. And then Uncle George had, had a nerve to start to go in for it. Right. I was like, what are you doing, Uncle George? And Tick was like, no, don't eat that. Don't eat that. Right. I was like, is he really about to eat this? He was about to eat that. So <laughs> they start to like begin their little ceremonial dinner. And Uncle George gets up and he recounts to the guests their own bylaws. Telling them that they actually would never be allowed in the fraternity, as in George and Tick, because they're black. But he found a loophole if you are a direct descendant of titus you are automatically a member and in fact not just a member you are a son among sons and a son among sons can give orders to any other regular member in the group so guess what tick tick does he gets up and he's like yeah i want everybody except samuel to get the fuck up out of here yeah, I mean, <laughs> yep. And they looked at him like he was crazy. He was like, "That's an order," and they fly. They get up out of there. So then he walks up on Samuel and he tells Samuel because technically, um, Samuel is a distant distant cousin of Titus, but Tick is a direct descendant. So technically, Tick has more pull over Samuel. So he tells him, "I order you to bring me my dad." Samuel was like, unlike the rest of those zealots, <laughs> my, I'm not obeying the laws. I know what's up. And let me tell you something. Just because you're useful and your blood is useful to me doesn't mean you're indispensable. So watch yourself. And I was like, mm, there go that white man throwing his weight around. Yeah, and I, I thought it was interesting how they played this. You know, when you try to figure out like how you're going to fit something in the TV series and make it a little bit more mysterious. Because in the book, mm-hmm. it's pretty like clear what he was you know why he had tick there and what was going on um you know instead of this kind of like mystery of like okay who really brought him here and what's like can you get to the point already like how they kind of drag out the suspense of what he actually wants 
Right. I mean, I actually like. I mean, I didn't read the books, but that sounds like a better twist to me. Just them. Yeah, not yeah. I think they aware. definitely way played it. Yeah, in the series. Yeah, because it's it's like play to say in the book. Like, hey, this is what's happening. This is why your dad does da 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 da. You know, it's just like very like explained out in the book. And I was like, well, this is cool how they gave you that mysterious twist where you like, is Samuel done yet? Like, is he done? Exactly. So they end up getting up out of there. I call this section the great escape. So they rush to the tower to save Montrose, who isn't there. And they're cornered by Dal, who prepares to shoot them. But Letty, Letitia, fucking Lewis shows up <laughs> and knocks her out, appearing to kill her. I mean, she looked dead to me. Yeah, um, I was like, yep. She's a goner. That's what she get for talking all that shit. So they discover... Uh-huh. Montrose somehow found a way up out of there. He dug a tunnel like the Count of Monte Cristo, um, which is one of his favorite books. <laughs> he comes out of that ground like Tim Robbins from the Shawshank Redemption. Okay, okay, hold up. Did you think they were gonna find him this quick? I wanted them to wait a little bit. I did. so the thing with this show is, and I said it before, it's a very like anthology like. Um, a lot of things that happened this episode, I felt like was too quick for a, a second episode. But as you mm. watch the series, you realize they had to pack a lot of story in only a yeah, few episodes. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, and every episode kind of felt like a movie. So a, a different kind of movie in a different genre. It did. Um, I was like, we're still in what episode? It was crazy. Yeah. So Montrose gets up out of there, you know, like. Like Tim Robbins and the Shawshank Redemption, freedom, and actually Nina Simone, <laughs> Nina Simone's Blackbird plays. You know, Blackbird, you ain't never gonna fly. Um, and he's like, "Yes, I got out." And they're like, "Montrose, what you doing out here?" <laughs> that whole scene was hilarious. Montrose was upset. He was yes. like, "What y'all doing here?" Yes, he was so mad. Like, I ain't need y'all to save me. And then Tick is like, would you wrote me a letter? He's like, dumb boy, I didn't think you actually showed up. Like, I wrote that letter under duress. I'm good. I got me. Like, so ungrateful. He was like, the one time, yeah, he was like, the one time you listened to me, I was dying. I was laughing so hard. Like, it was so funny because I was like, that's not the moment you expected at all. So disrespectful. So they get in the car. They get in. What did they escape or try to escape out the town? George tells them that the lodge is actually one of many in the order of the, the dawn. And this particular group is called the Sons of Adam, and they seek the Book of Names, which holds the spell of immortality. And apparently the spell failed way back when, when Titus was doing it, and that's what caused the house to burn down. So they need to get up out of Dodge. But unfortunately, the car magically crashes. Like, the the cinematography in this scene, it looks like something hit the car mm-hmm. and you see it smashed mm-hmm. up but nothing actually hit the car it was just magic but it was just it just looked dope like it, it just like like yeah, it did yeah yeah like you're crushing a can but it they crushed the car so thought that was pretty cool um and apparently it's samuel and christina uh samuel gets up out the car everybody else is kind of climbing out of the wreckage and samuel just shoots letty i was like what the yeah, and I, I was sitting there with my mouth open. I was like, what? I was like, we didn't make it to episode three. Wait, Letty dies. Like, Letty is like, dies bloodily in Tick's arms. Tick is like, Christina, help me. And I'm like, wait a second, but I know she in the rest of the series. So what is going on here? But she did. Um, and <laughs> and then she did. I like it. She, she did. There's a doorknob. So Samuel's like, you know, because you were a son of 
among sons, I'm going to give you the courtesy and let you choose who gets to survive. So it's between Montrose and Uncle George. And before Tick can even make a choice, he shoots Uncle George. And I was like, no, not Uncle George. Take Montrose. <laughs> He's so mean. Yeah, yeah. Like when you, yeah, as it unfolds more, you like, mm, should it have been Montrose? Like, you didn't want to be that person. But I was kind of like, mm, not Uncle George. Not Uncle George. So we cut to black. So I'm like, oh, is it over? Nope. Next, we have the ceremony. So we watch um, a very naked uh, tick uh, get cleaned down by servants. And I must say, Jonathan Majors really stepped his uh, workout regimen up. Um, his buttocks, his booty was looking nice, nice and tight. Yeah, he was getting his squats in between takes. Yeah, had to. That, that that thing was a bubble. <laughs> Anyways, so sorry, Jonathan. So sorry. You, you are not an object. You are a smart, intelligent man, but we, you look good. We were good. just inquiring about what your gym route, like, you know, because yeah. you know it's like quarantine times. So if you shot up before then, what your gym routine was. Right. I want a booty like that, too. Um. So, anyway, <laughs> so anyways, he's looking on into the, you know, you see like the kind of like the TV room, like this this image or illusion of the room. Mm-hmm. And he sees um, Letty on a couch dead. And behind him, behind her is... um. Montrose attending to a dying Uncle George. So Tick wants to know what's up. And Christina tells him that her father plans on opening a portal, a door into Eden, so that he can obtain immortality. Um, when he steps through, you know, he will fulfill his 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 dream. So Tick is like, well, it didn't work with Titus. And Christina tells him that the language of Adam, which is in the book of names, um, is challenging, kind of hard to decipher. So many men have suffered as a result of it. But her father now has an edge because Tick's blood is directly of Titus's line. So, you know, this might be something. And apparently with magic, uh, a body apparently is a good thing. Uh, I guess to like... I don't know, be like a prismium for the energy. I don't know how to explain it, but a body. Yeah. yeah. A body is needed and he has a good body, nice and toned and Titus blood. Yeah. Yeah. That bloodline got him in trouble. Got him in trouble. So Tick wonders why Christina is even trying to help her dad at this point, because she can never be a member. And Christina kind of, laments this you know she gives him the ring of the order and she tells him like no matter how smart I am or how much work I put in no matter what I do I will never get this ring and you got it just for being born a man and Tick makes it even worse and he's like yeah I'm not even a white guy <laughs> like I'm a black man <laughs> um, but she tells him like our destiny is not determined by our fathers um, it's up to us to kind of like harness it and she tells him that her dad is true to his word if he helps him with the ceremony willingly, he will restore Uncle George. And he actually sees look Luddy come back to life. Like Luddy is resurrected. And honey, she was shooketh. <laughs> she yeah, was like, I was like, ooh. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if you got shot and died and I then came to back say, to life. I was say, yeah, I, I probably would just been laying there for a good minute in shock. At least she got up and went to the bathroom. What's up? I, I probably just been sitting there. Yeah, she she and she was healed. I mean, she got the John Snow treatment. Like, you know, when John was like, oh, yep. oh, Yeah. Oh. That that was bloody. <laughs> uh, I like how you added the sound effects in there. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was that shout out. Shout out to Kit Harrington. Um, so <laughs> Yeah. 
sick. You know, he feels a little better now. He sees that Letty is alive. You know, Uncle George will soon be healed. So he goes on to the ceremony. Um, and so we actually get a glimpse of the conversation between George and Montrose. George is like, look, I'm tired of holding on to secrets. You know, these secrets are going to are gonna hurt the people I love. My child, my, my wife, Hippolyta, you, Tick. And I just need, you know, I just need you to love him like he deserves to be loved. And he tells him, like, you need to, my child's like, you need to tell me nothing about my son. And he's like, well, he might not be your son. He's like, hey, I don't care if you got a bullet in your belly. We already settled this. That's my son. And George is like, yeah, but, you know, I'm not long for this world. You're all he got left. So interesting. So I guess Uncle George is Uncle Daddy. Like, <laughs> I like how Montrose is like, uh, don't worry about the fact that you could be dying right now. Don't worry about that. We're going to still keep these secrets. Right. We're going to still keep these family secrets. And I, I don't know about you, but family secrets have a way of ruining everything. So right. Maybe. I just don't believe he was like, you could be all you could be all the way dying right now, but you know, don't, don't worry about it. We're just going to keep these secrets going. Keep, take it to the grave, literally. So... <laughs> Um, Tick walks into the ceremony and he's surrounded by all these white men in these hoods. Um, and we hear a res- recitation of Whitey and the Moon. Um, Tick is placed in the middle of three orbs and this ornate wooden doorway. So apparently he's like what's gonna center the spell. And uh-huh. Samuel begins to, you know, begins his incantations and the members look on and like the blue energy from the orb starts to go into Tick, and then as Tick starts to absorb it then this like golden energy emits from tick into the doorway and then the doorway starts to open up and you see these like vines come out and tropical flowers so i'm like oh shit he really about to be in eden um titus is like oh whatever he's saying <laughs> and then Tick reaches. I guess it's the language of Adam, so I should be respectful. And then um, Tick raises his hand, like with the ring, and it looks like it's like a black energy leaving his hands, and it goes into the portal. And then we see Hannah. We see Hannah pregnant, um, and she's played by Joaquina Kulakango, and she's in this doorway. So something is wrong. Like she is not supposed to be in Eden. What's going on? Titus tries to take back control. But a burst of energy explodes from Tick and all the members start to run off, but they get caught by this burst of energy. Samuel gets turned into stone. So do the rest of the members. The house starts to crumble. Everything's going to shit. And you're like, what is happening? And so we see Hannah run and then Tick runs after Hannah. And it looks like it's like almost like a parallel universe or a reenactment of what happened to her because Mm -hmm. there's fire around him. And Hannah stops in the doorway and there's a book in her hand. And that looks like the book of names to me. I don't know about you. So it seems like Hannah fled her master's home with his magical book and the house burned down. In this case, the house collapsed. At this point, it's like Uncle George, um, Montrose, Letty are getting out of there, but they don't want to move George because he might bleed out. And somehow Tick escapes just as the house collapses the rest of the party is in the car. They seem to be safe. Letty calls out to him. You think like, hey, it's kind of like a low-key happy ending. The white people are dead. The black people survive. That never happens. Um, but unfortunately, you can see in Letty's eyes as she calls out to Tick that something terrible happened. And Uncle George bled out 
in the car in the arms of his younger brother and you're just like no and John the Major's acting on this scene was amazing he's just like Uncle George I'm sorry he just like breaks down he doubles over in pain and you're just like that almost got me that almost got me there yeah he was in I was like man and I just kept, and I, I know there was nothing he can do to control. I was like, come on now, Christina, you can give him the ring. You can give him something else too to bring back George at the end. I was like, come on now. Right. So, um, I mean, I'm saddened because I really like Courtney. I love his acting. He's just, he's just like, oh, he's just comforting to me. Like, you know, he's a dad. Yeah. So to yeah. see him yeah. gone and we got, we got stuck with Montrose. <gasps> uh, <laughs> I was I wasn't really happy, and it sucks because I know Tick in many ways feels responsible for this for his yeah. death. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, like I said, it's not his fault that Samuel shot him. But Samuel's dead now; he ain't nothing but dust now. So good riddance. So right. we cut to black and a cover of a traditional spiritual song that was famously sung by Nina Simone, and we got a lot of Nina Simone in this episode. Um, Sinner Man plays at the end of the end, end of the episode, and uh-huh. I think almost the entire series at the end of the episode they played Sinner Man, and the song basically describes a sinner attempting to hide from the divine justice on Judgment Day. So I'm not sure how that plays into the show, but like I said, everything here is significant. Everything has a meaning. Um, so that ends Whitey on the Moon. Any uh final thoughts, Ryan? Yeah, um, and like if you guys get to check out, um, I was trying to pull up the the chapter while we're reading because they have like it's it's kind of funny like to see the the book chapter names as we as we go along, but um, this one actually ended with um, everybody kind of making it out in the car and and William like hooked up they ride and everything. It was crazy. Like if you guys go oh. back and ever and check that out, um, um, but yeah, there's so many like little intricacies in the book where I think they kind of drag out like some of the moments some of the more terrifying moments are kind of towards the mm-hmm. end of it um but yeah just so i don't know to give like a little bit of light but yeah it was hard it was hard losing uncle george in this moment because i'm i'm still in like that adventure mode wanting to see you know what letty and tick gonna get into and if they're gonna keep going and to not have him there when he's like the one like the glue holding it all together yeah so that was tough so yeah i yeah i definitely didn't think he i didn't i didn't think courtney was leaving the um the second so episode but yeah you know yeah. they got a they got an ultimate plan and saying like you said the anthology series at work here so yeah, it's gonna be interesting yeah definitely uncle george for sure is the glue that holds us together so it's gonna be interesting to see how they all carry on without him and his wisdom and his advice and oh i feel so bad for hippolyta and d when they found yeah. out that yeah you know, mm-hmm. he's gone and so, you know like yeah oh, um, and everything he's like no 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 next time next time that kind of stuff yeah, you're like definitely. what is her what is her opinion gonna you know like how she's gonna feel so yeah all that's gonna i just more tears to come people that's all i know just more tears to come absolutely so yeah so we'll definitely revisit the series we'll see you guys next month this episode was super fun um just in time for halloween so guys rewatch episode two listen to this podcast mm-hmm. And we'll see you next month and we'll be covering episode three, Holy Ghost. So thank you guys for listening. Make sure you add us at Black Girl Nerds, at Black Girl Geeks, at BGM Podcast, Ryan's at November Bear. And I still don't know my social media. I think it's at Mommy 2816 Please forgive me. <laughs> but we'll see. we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Or next month, I should say. Bye. Bye, guys.
The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify. 